Live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, this is a special edition of Positively West Virginia, the COVID-19 Daily Business Briefing. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. For those of you joining us on uh, Facebook Live, welcome and thanks for tuning in. And for those listening on the podcast, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you guys. Normally on this podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with you and thousands of others each week on iTunes, Spotify, and through our vast distribution network with WVNews.com. Since March 19th, however, we've been bringing you these daily special edition broadcasts, and we're focused specifically and intentionally around this basic question, what can West Virginia businesses do right now to navigate this current pandemic storm that we're all facing? When we first started the podcast in 2017, our goal was to inspire and equip people in West Virginia with examples of real-life entrepreneurs and business owners who've built their companies right here in West Virginia. Quite simply, we want to help West Virginia businesses win. We appreciate the opportunity each week to tell positive, inspirational stories that encourage people to start their businesses in the Mountain State and keep their companies here and make West Virginia stronger than ever before. Of course, you can learn more about our mission at PositivelyWV.com. Every weekday, we're coming to you live and we're bringing you special subject matter experts from right here in West Virginia to help business owners and leaders with practical ideas to, to use right now to get us through this storm. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Today, I'm honored to have on the show Clinton Burley. Clinton Burley is president and CEO of HealthNet Aeromedical Services, and they're based in Charleston, West Virginia. That's where their corporate office is. Since 1981, Clinton has been involved in the emergency medical services industry. Since 2011, he has served as president and chief executive officer of HealthNet Aeromedical Services, the nation's third largest not-for-profit critical care transport program. Cooperatively owned and operated by West Virginia's three academic medical centers and operating 12 helicopters flying from 10 different base sites, HealthNet's team annually care for and transport more than 5,000 patients. That's incredible. It's an honor to have Clinton Burley as our guest today. Clinton, thank you for being on the show. Oh, Jim, thank you for uh, for having me today and uh, participating in the uh, effort you have to educate uh, those uh, business leaders of the state of the uh, way we can navigate these challenging times. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. And first off, Clinton, before we uh, get get into the subject matter at hand, I, I'd like to just ask you how you're doing personally right, na- uh, right now, how you and your family are getting along, and uh, how, how you guys are uh, dealing with the situation right now personally. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that. Um, uh, my uh, uh, family is doing well. Uh, our corporate office has been uh, closed for several weeks, and all of our leaders have been working from uh, from home, and I'm no exception. And so we've adjusted there. My wife uh, is a, a neonatal intensive care transport nurse at Cabell Huntington Hospital, oh, wow. and so uh, her life has continued as normal, and our, uh, our two daughters are uh, continuing their uh, normal young professional lives, and so we're doing well, but uh, uh, it is a challenging time for uh, all West Virginians, and especially now. You know, my focus is on making sure that our team are taken care of and that uh, they're ready to go out and serve the patients that uh, HealthNet to uh, care for. Yeah, Clinton, let's dive into it. You know, let's first talk about HealthNet and in your role in 
you know, how you support these hospitals around the state of West Virginia. And you know, maybe some of the latest updates you can give us on how you guys are doing and, and what those numbers look like. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, HealthNet is a a 501c3 uh, organization that is cooperatively owned uh, by uh, WVU Medicine, Charleston Area Medical Center, and Cabell Huntington Hospital. We've been uh, serving West Virginia uh, since 1986. And as you mentioned at the outset, we provide service um, from 10 separate helicopter bases that are strategically located throughout central Appalachia. And uh, we've been really on uh, the ground floor of, of uh, transporting the sickest of the sick of the uh, those that are affected by by COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. along with um, managing the, the the regular patients, if you will, that we care for uh, throughout the state every day. Those that are uh, victims of trauma, uh, cardiac patients, premature labor, uh, premature infants. Um, our, our routine business. Business continues even though um, we're we're a, a laser focus on um, preparing for and caring for those uh, COVID nineteen patients. Um, we have an excellent system in place to um, identify those patients from the outset. Make sure the crews are well equipped and ready to um, manage the patient medically and uh, and for them to be safe in the process between our air and ground operations as of our uh, 8 a.m update this morning from our uh, safety department hmm. um, we've transported 196 either confirmed patients or those who are persons under investigation um, wow. it's it's uh, th- these are very very sick people and um, it's a it's a humble calling to be out there caring for them as our teams do every day. Absolutely. Well, that's that's astounding, Clinton. And I, I can't even imagine what that's like. What kind of, um, you know, necessary extra precautions, if you will, uh, have your uh, flight teams had to take and put into place in, uh, in the situation that you guys have been dealing with for the last, you know, what, month and a half or so? Yeah, it's it's really focused on protecting the team member, the the clinical delivery uh, of mm. managing these critical patients what we do every day. What we have to increase sure. when dealing with a patient with COVID-19 related illness is making certain that our team uh, is, is protected. So we uh, have instituted a process under which uh, when our communication centers receive a call for a potential COVID patient, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. um, uh, a senior leader is involved with screening and making sure that the team members are ready to go out and deal with those patients. And then we also uh, track the patient following the transport uh, once they're at the hospital to determine their uh, their status moving forward. Um, th- thus far, the system's worked very well. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I think a lot of us are f- familiar with health in that. You see the, you know, the, the choppers or uh, the helicopters are out there in different base stations. You see them as first responders on a, on a serious accident along the interstate or when somebody's really ill. What, you know, you, you, when we talk about transporting 5,000 patients, I mean, that's a lot of volume. Are the teams on call 24-7? Is that how that works? I mean, I, 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 I assume that that's how it is, but can you, Tell us a little bit how the how the teams are set up and how they respond so quickly. 
Yeah, um, there's really a, a multi-step process. It all starts with calls that go into our communication centers, and each of our uh, owner uh, health systems has a communication center. So we have one in Morgantown, one in Charleston, and one in Huntington. The calls originate there. Uh, they alert the flight teams of the nearest aircraft to respond to a specific patient. At each helicopter base, uh, 24-7-365, uh, we have a pilot on duty, hmm. as well as a, a critical care flight paramedic and a critical care flight nurse. Uh, they typically work 24-hour shifts. The pilots work 12-hour shifts, and uh, they're on duty, ready to respond, much as which, uh, like you would see at a fire station. Um, from the time that a call is received in the communication center, typically the um, crew is alerted, the aircraft is prepared, uh, uh, flight plans are filed, and the aircraft is in the air responding to the patient in around 10 minutes or less. Now, we don't hold our crews to that 10 minutes. We want them to take the time to do it safely. Mm -hmm. But most often, from the time the phone rings until the time that our crews are in the air going to the patient is less than 10 minutes. It's a, it is a... Um, uh, a very carefully uh, choreographed dance to get all that to happen in that length of time. Yeah, I can only imagine that. That's uh, that's incredible, and uh, obviously, like I said, we've you know from a uh, a point of view of a general person of the general public, and when you see that spring into action, you see the you know the helicopters flying around. It, it's it is incredible to know that we have that level of protection uh, statewide. And so HealthNet obviously uh, is the ones that uh, that do that in West Virginia. And you're under your leadership. That's uh, that's an amazing thing. And I, you know, I, I I think about you know just listening to you talk there about you know putting your uh, plan in place to protect your team members out there that are you know you know the the pilot and the you know the critical care EMT and whatnot. Did you have an emergency preparedness plan that, you know, that addressed, you know, a coronavirus, a pandemic type of a highly contagious virus that's going around? Did you have something in there that you were able to say, OK, let's let's enact that process or how how did that all come about? Yeah, we, we did have a, a general plan for uh, not necessarily pandemic, but for highly communicable diseases, because remember, we transferred. Suffering from communicable diseases uh, as a routine course of business. Sure. But what this um, has caused us to do is to um, think of uh, think of things differently. And having a single patient with a communicable disease, we're dealing with patients down to just like you heard throughout um, uh, the, the, from the inception of this in the U.S. Mm -hmm sure you have equipment, making sure that uh, if care strategies need to be changed uh, based on uh, the potential exposure, that we think of things differently and we make sure that make certain that our, our um, uh, logistics department, for example, is sourcing all of the uh, equipment necessary to deal with these patients at a very high level, making sure that our safety department has um, uh, systems in place to track uh, the patient after delivery to a tertiary hospital uh, following up with their disease people. This stuff goes on around the clock in our system. And mm. um, while we um, uh, 
had a plan in place for individual patients. We've had to rent to only 24-hour operations. Mm. Clinton, you, you mentioned that your team uh, is working remotely. How many, how many uh, employees do you have there at the corporate office? Your support staff at the corporate office. Typically, we have uh, we have about a dozen uh, that are uh, that have offices there, but a lot of folks are in the field. Um, we have a uh, a training center there in Charleston, and there are several more that are assigned here. But all of that is being done remotely. Um, all of our continuing education for teams continues updated. The only thing we are doing is we're we're using uh, distance modules for that. people in person. Clinton, one of the things that I want to yeah, one of the things I wanted to talk about is you know obviously working remotely is you know yeah. a, a lot of companies are doing that right now. The ones that are able to keep working and and keep their their teams moving and and you know keeping the do- the doors open on their businesses and so forth. My my team here, for instance, same thing. Um, what are some of the challenges and you know of working remotely and, and not being able to to lead you know directly that you're 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 coming up against and what are some of the ways you've been handling some of those challenges? Yeah, uh, you know, in, in our business, um, it is critically important that those who are actually out caring for patients uh, understand. The, um, the, the the truly the the appreciation and the love and compassion that those of us as senior leaders have uh, for them, not just during this time, but every single day. And one of the ways that I try to accomplish that as a leader is to be visible to those uh, uh, clinicians out at their base sites. And um, I can't do that right now. And and that bothers me. Um, I, that's been a big adjustment to me. Um, I, I speak with them by phone. We're doing video conferencing and so forth. I think that everything that is happening to um, – uh, to our, our team members uh, and their stress levels, if we could reach those people, it probably would help that. that. Um, so we have to find new and innovative ways to basically continue our mission of being servant leaders. And um, I think that the servant leadership at, at this point is just critical for every business to know that regardless of, of what a team member is doing, that, that they're valued and that, that there's a clear understanding among senior leaders of of uh, what they're going through and what fears they may be taking home with them. Uh, it's real and it's out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, one of the takeaways that I've been getting over the last 26 or 27 days that we've been doing these interviews in the last month or so is, you know, listening and, and having that empathy is even more important in leadership now than than maybe I have even given it, you know, thought to, because I'm, I'm kind of a student of leadership and, and uh, ways of doing that. And, and listening and having that empathy is extremely important. And that sounds like that's something that uh, that you, you're finding as well. It, it is um, uh, one of my favorite leadership books is by a um, gentleman named Robert Greenleaf, who who wrote the, the original text uh, on servant leadership, and and one of the tenets of that is is that um, you you try to um, 
build a, an organization and a culture that I- expresses compassion for team members at every level. Yeah. Well, again, when you think about the the philosophies uh, of the fears that people have on uh, in, in this time, and and you add that uh, into our team members who are dealing with the sickest of the sick of these patients. Um, that uh, that's a lot of baggage for them to deal with personally and and professionally and to take home with them. Uh, we've been stressing the availability, for example, of our employee assistance program, so that uh, our team members can pick up a phone uh, at no cost to them and 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 uh, talk to a mental health professional uh, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's real, and and I think that. Um, leaders that that uh, aren't encouraging the use of those resources uh, do so at the peril of their business and the the understanding from team members that that they matter yeah absolutely I think that's that's extremely important one of the the themes that I've been hearing as well is is re- regarding innovation and you hit on that word uh, particularly a, a minute ago you we were talking about technology but uh, you know what what are your thoughts on on innovating in a, in a crisis like this what are some of the things that you might be seeing out there and you know down in the Charleston area Huntington area uh, or in your t- discussions with leaders around the state what are some of the areas that you think that uh, innovation is going to really play a part in you know, maybe health nets business or healthcare in general? Well, I, I think that it really is uh, that innovation in, in this time of pandemic actually goes end with uh, the old cliche of out of the box thinking. Um, no. I think that they're really one in the same because um, there is emerging technology, but the emerging technology, is in short supply. You look at um, at the potential for a uh, quick turn on COVID-19 tests. Yeah, there's, um, there's devices out there who can give you uh, an answer in a matter of minutes, but you can't get that equipment. Uh, you know, I, I would like nothing more than every community hospital in West Virginia to have that testing capability. That's not possible. So there's mm-hmm. innovation going on, but uh, we may not be able to touch all of that. So we have to think outside the box to make sure that um, we've got the resource pool so that team members can effectively care for these patients while protecting themselves. Um, so I, I think that it is a, uh, a combination of innovation and out-of-the-box thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Clinton, you know, I, I know that you're a very highly respected leader and uh, well thought of around the state of West Virginia, especially with, uh, you know, your work with, uh, with HealthNet as the leader of that organization, a 501c3 not-for-profit, uh, what you know? What are some things that you're thinking about as we, as you know, I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective, as we talk about reopening the state, you know, getting back to some sort of, some sense of normalcy in business and and things like that. And and here you are, you you, you run this organization that, like you said, transports the sickest of the sick. What are some of the thoughts that are going through your mind as, as we're thinking about how this is going to look and, and, and so forth? Um, well, from a healthcare perspective, uh, my mind instantly goes to the challenges that hospitals across the state are having from a uh, financial stability standpoint mm-hmm. due to uh, a loss of um, of 
of uh, their core business of uh, taking care of uh, routine and, and chronic and then uh, serious illness. Yes. You know, there, there's anecdotal evidence coming out that even people who are very, very sick are avoiding the hospitals because of fear uh, related to COVID-19. Um, we've got to get over that hump that that the uh, as the state reopens, that um, the citizens are are comfortable with the fact that the hospitals across our state are are doing a yeoman's job of making certain that they can separate those who are suffering from um, uh, illness uh, secondary to COVID infection and still able to maintain a normal course of business to take care of somebody who uh, comes in, for example, with a, a um, th- there are systems in place uh, t- t- to do that. And I think that uh, from a healthcare perspective, that's important. Uh, um, I think that is a, a something that you wouldn't imagine that hospitals would be suffering during a pandemic, but that's real. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, absolutely. With uh, yeah, was, that's that's real. Censuses uh, or patient count in terms of people who are staying in beds in hospitals is you know like record lows right now across every hospital basically in West Virginia, and it's it's in preparation for that surge and in in preparation potentially for making sure that we have the beds available, but also, you know, uh, coming down from a, a, a safety standpoint, the governor uh, and, and other health care leaders have, have issued those mandates of, you know, canceling elective surgeries. So that's one of the things, you know, that you were just talking about uh, that was not necessarily in your list, but that's one of the things, right? If you need a, a knee replacement, you're not getting it right now, right? Exactly. And, and so exactly. And, and that's a large source of those revenues. So I appreciate you sharing some some insight from that. Clinton, one of the things that, uh, that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, obviously leading in difficult times is um, is a, is a challenge for for people. What what's the you know you kind of talked a little bit about some of the things you're seeing out there. But what's one lesson that you may have learned that uh, you know, about leadership uh, that may maybe just didn't really dawn on you? Um, well, I, I think that I I had this in my toolbox. Um, uh, all along, but I have had to bring out the um, uh, the philosophy of reassurance more than I thought that I would. Mm. Um, and I say that That's because uh, even our team members who have transported several of these patients, every one of them is different, yeah. and they need to know that that our system and our uh, owner health systems are behind them to make sure that they have every resource at their uh, disposal so that they remain safe and their families remain safe and that we're absolutely committed to that yeah. and and that that uh, reassurance coming from from me and the other members of our senior leadership is absolutely critical um and it it just comes down to um you know makes um our organization unique um the vast majority of our uh leaders including myself um you know entered this organization working uh in a, a critical care uh 
uh, clinician mm. uh, capacity. I started out with the organization as a flight paramedic, and and it's been my life's work. And I wow. think that um, our team members um, understand that those of us who are in the decision-making levels, we know what they're going through because we've been there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that reassurance to them keeping that in the leadership toolbox and bringing it out that we're going to do everything we can to support them and our owner hospitals are going to do everything that they can to support them. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that insight with us. That's uh, huge. And I can't even imagine, you know, the, uh, the, the, I mean, we talk about front lines, it's almost, (laughs) I don't mean to make it sound like a combat situation, but your, your flight crews are really on the front lines transporting these patients, you know, and, uh, even before they get to the hospital. So that's, uh, that's incredible. And my hat's off to you guys and, and our prayers and thoughts are with you and uh, for your safety of you and your team and everything that you're doing. Our guest once again today is Clinton Burley, Clinton is president and CEO of HealthNet Aeromedical Services. They're headquartered in Charleston, but serve the entire state of West Virginia with flight crews and helicopters flying all over, caring for the sickest of the sick, especially in this time of COVID-19. Clinton, I, you know, how, how do you think your organization is going to come out of this crisis uh, once you get on the other side of it? What are some of the lessons learned and, and maybe some of the uh, ways you're going to be prepared for the future out of this situation? Yeah, um, you know, as you said at the outset, I've been involved in EMS, um, you know, for the vast majority of my life. And I think if there's anything that uh, is, is disappointing through this, is that uh, uh, I learned that we do have to uh, uh, be more self-sufficient because I was always taught in emergency preparedness and, and that uh, a local community should have about two days worth of resources on hand to allow state resources to flow in and that the state should have about five additional days of resources to wait on federal support to flow in. Mm. And and somewhere, and, I, and I'm sure in the after action analysis of all this, that um, they will find out breakdown was but clearly that's not uh, that's not evolved as we hoped that it would and uh, we mm. had to go on an absolute scramble as did um, uh, many healthcare organizations secure enough quantity of specific equipment and I'm not talking about just PPE, but um, for example, uh, you talk about ventilators. Well, we have plenty of ventilators, but we didn't have enough ventilator filters to um, mm. make certain that the, uh, the the exhaust, if you will, out of those ventilators was uh, was being cleaned, and that's critical. Um, but but our our number of ventilated patients went up exponentially. So. We had to source those very quickly, um, whereas we were always under the impression um, that that that, uh, that resource pool would be flowing. So the lesson that I've learned thus far mm-hmm. is that um, uh, self sufficiency is uh, is critical for a longer period of time because the the resource channels may not be there as as we expected. Yeah! Wow! What a lesson! What a takeaway! I mean, that's that's absolutely huge. And, you know, it just hearing you describe, you know, the two day, the five day, I mean, 
and then being able to realize that, yeah, you, the, the, the little exhaust filter is such a critical piece of this puzzle, right? Uh, and, and wow, that's just incredible. So thank you for sharing that. Clinton, yeah, and I can't yeah. say enough about our um, yeah. our logistics department. Our, yeah. our uh, logistics manager has been with the organization for many years. Mm. And I mean, th- th- this leader was, was working countless hours sourcing from literally coast to coast to mm. get those – uh, pieces of equipment um, and uh, adequate stock of equipment that our frontline clinicians needed to go out and save the lives of West Virginians. Yeah. And there was never a complaint. There was never a, well, I'm tired. I'm going to stay home today. It was full on uh, every day. And it just um, it, it just speaks volumes about the, the level of of just quality, good people that our uh, organization is blessed with. Absolutely. Thanks for, for sharing all that that back backstory, Clinton, as well. Clinton, as we wrap up our time here today, what's for, uh, what's the best way for folks to learn more about uh, HealthNet Aeromedical Services and maybe even perhaps learn a, a little bit about you and get in touch with your organization? Yeah, the um, uh, we have a very robust website that, that is um, – um, maintained um, by uh, Jones, who serves as our corporate communications manager, does an awesome job with that. Uh, the uh, web address is simply healthnetaeromedical.com. It is a vast resource for uh, everything about the organization, uh, our history, uh, how we do what we do, um, the quality people we have doing that. Um, and uh, we also uh, maintain uh, multiple social media um uh, uh, channels from uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, we, we feel like we have an important story to tell uh, every day about, uh, about how we're uh, uh, caring for patients at some of the most challenging days of their lives. And um, there's, there's always a lot going on within our organization. And we invite people to uh, keep track of our flight teams and our aircraft and the things that we do um, mm. through those channels. Absolutely. Clinton, we'll make sure we have links to all that on our show notes section of the podcast as well at PositivelyWV.com. Clinton Burley, President and CEO of HealthNet Aeromedical Services Incorporated. Clinton, thanks again for just being on the show and sharing some behind-the-scenes information uh, and what your team and these crews are doing to protect West Virginians and transport the sickest of the sick, not only during COVID-19, but during the regular course of a, of a week and day and 24-7, 365, like you described. We really appreciate you and everything that your teams do. Jim, thank you very much. And on behalf of, um, of uh, all of our team members from literally one side of West Virginia to the other and even beyond in contiguous states, uh, we, we uh, sense the uh, value that um, uh, that folks place uh, on our teams and what they deliver, and uh, on behalf of them, uh, thank you for that confidence and and the uh, the kind words that uh, people uh, expressed to us uh, on behalf of 
what our teams deliver to our patients. Thank you. Absolutely, Clinton. Thank you. Folks, that's it for today's Positively West Virginia Daily COVID-19 Business Briefing. My hope is that we brought you some valuable insight that you could use in your business as we all look to navigate these uncharted waters of COVID-19. I want to take a moment to also thank our sponsors for Positively West Virginia. They are the Insurance Centers, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We'll be coming to you live every weekday as this pandemic continues with these special edition business briefings. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay positive, West Virginia.